Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. There is no flu bug in Chateau Gene Williams, and there isn't one here in my house. Welcome, everybody, in uh, to the Warchant.com postgame show. It's a postgame call-in show. He's Gene Williams, the founder and administrator of Warchant.com. My name is Tom Lang. And uh, you saw today a first half that was ugly as hell, a second half that gave you a little bit of hope, and then that hope was taken away. The final today, NC State 28, Florida State 14, as the Knowles dropped to, I believe that's now 3-6. and six. Mm-hmm. on the season three games to go gene uh this was one where at halftime if you had just had a conversation with all your brethren you know your group texts of Noel fans if that's what you guys do or you're at the game together you're thinking well this one's academic man the flu bug was going through the team we're a one-dimensional offense and that one dimension passing is not working next thing you know in the second half florida state looks good offensively if you're for a few drives and you start to hope a little bit by the end of the day, a couple of key plays not made, maybe a decision or two that was um, questionable or at least debatable, and that's where I will give the floor right now. Gene Williams, given our pregame or pre-show talks in the green room, this should be interesting. Gene, go ahead. Well, yeah, first of all, I want to look. I mean, yeah, I, w- I was about to go out and just go for a nice, long, comfortable walk in the afternoon after that first half. I'm like, it's a beautiful day in Tallahassee. You know, we saw it was just horrific, and you know, I wasn't shocked. I just knew this was a bad matchup without Jordan Travis. And we, you know, we kind of figured that's how it's going to play. I know if it's going to be quite that bad, but so I, you know, I give some props to him for this team. Again, it's, it's same thing. We've seen this great. This team fights. It doesn't give up. So, I mean, props to them for that. And I thought they, you know, you think about what did they end up having for whatever they had 14 drives NC state. I mean, how many drives did they have time for them to hold them to 28 points? I don't think it was a bad defensive effort. Yo, there were some chunk plays where they had horrible tackling and a few plays here and there. But on the whole, they played well enough to win. And for the defense to have two drives and score twice, I mean, ballsy call there, the onside kick at halftime. And yeah. you said there's there's some debatable calls. There's no debate, Tom. And this has been my one of my bugaboos with Mike Norvell. And look, and I don't want to get – look, I'm not saying fire Mike Norvell. I do think he's done some really good things. I think he's got the program very slowly, painfully headed in the right direction. But, man, it's just – it's a snail's pace the way they're progressing here. Yep. But, okay, I guess I'll get into it, man. I feel like an, an epic rant coming on here. I am so freaking pissed at that freaking fourth down call. Look, the momentum had changed in the second half. 
It's a seven-point game. You're in the fourth quarter. You got a couple first downs. You're on your 43-yard line. It's a fourth and four. At this point, you're punting. You're getting them inside the 20 somewhere, most likely. You're going to flip the field. You've gotten three straight stops. Your defense made them punt three straight times. Your defense had kind of had found something. You're getting pressure on Leary. You're stuffing the run game. The momentum had definitely shifted. But here we go. Here we go again with this nonsense. We're going to go for it on fourth down and our own side. And the thing, I know Mike Norvell's press conference, you can watch that later. He's probably coming up soon. We'll have it on War Chant TV. You can watch it. And I guarantee he's going to, if someone asks him, he's going to say it's analytics. But you know what that is? That's bullshit, Tom. You know why? Because analytics, all they do is tell you what's happened. I don't know if he's looking at all of college football games in the past and that situation, your odds of winning. But that's the past. It has nothing to do with this game. It doesn't take into account your offensive line, that you've got your backup quarterback, how this defense has done before, the momentum of the game, all the other things going. I'll give you an analytics that should tell you what you should do in that situation. At the time, Florida State was 2 of 14 on third down in this game. Yeah, I'm not a math, I'm not a math whiz, but that tells me, well, and that's probably, it's probably if you average it out, it's probably third, they probably were four to five yards average to convert those. So that means there's an 80% chance you're not picking that up. It means there's an 80% chance plus you're giving them the ball on your side of the field in a seven-point game in the fourth quarter. So which means it's like a 90% chance you're freaking losing the game on that call. It is insane to me that you're doing that crap. Even if you pick it up, look, if you pick it up, so right. what? You're at midfield. You still might end up punting. It's yeah. not like if you pick up that first down, all the momentum shifts and you're scoring a touchdown. It's idiotic. He needs to stop doing this crap. It's costing. It's cost a couple games, him doing this nonsense. Read the room. The room was to punt the freaking ball. The, your defense is playing well. Let them do what they've done and then win the field position back. The, it sucked all the momentum out of the room. And, of course, they go down three plays later, score a touchdown, game over. Yeah, I like – on, on one hand, Gene, I love the fact that Mike always plays to win, and always, and that includes the onside kick and the aggressiveness, and, and there were two other fourth down conversions that Florida State got. On the other hand, where I agree with you, if it's fourth and one, fourth and two in that situation, maybe, maybe I, I could if just... If you're running I, well, but you couldn't right. even do that. Exactly, exactly. Fourth and four, we know what's coming. You, you know exactly what's coming if you're NC State. It has to be a pass. There's no tricks that we can call. There's yeah. no wrinkles. That makes it a, a really tough situation. What what hurts me a little bit more, Gene, about what happened is is the next third down. It's third and seven. You do get yourself in a favorable position. Then it's a screen out to the flat. You're one-on-one. Jerry on Jones, can you make the play? And he couldn't make the play. Then Akeem Dent tries to come up. He gets completely washed out by the offensive lineman. Next thing you know, it's a touchdown up. You know, you would argue in that situation if you punted, the exact same call occurs on, you know, what what is that, the 20 or the 25-yard line? Maybe they get to midfield, and it's not a touchdown. Instead, it is, and that felt like the back-breaking moment in the game. Um, I, oh, I knew it was over the minute they didn't convert that fourth down because we've seen this time. When they don't convert that fourth down, Tom, that other team scores every time. That's right. the analytics you need to look at, not what's happened in a 1,000 games that we go all in. 52% of the time, your odds are increased to win if you go for it on fourth and four. Not in this game, not this team, not with that offense, not with a backup quarterback, not when you're two of freaking 14 on third downs and you can't run the ball. There's no freaking way that's going to work. Yeah, given how much time was left in the game, like I, I, you're more fired up than I am about it. But when you consider all the factors, like you're correct, let's say you pick it up. So you're going to trust that offense to march down the field another 55 yards, yeah. you know, 50, 55 yards in order to get the job done? I don't know. 
the way the defense was playing outside of the one drive, the, the killer drive to me in this game was in the second half. You score on the onside kick. Uh, you get down the field. You make the play. It's an absolute prayer that McKenzie throws up. That uh, replay that they showed on ACC Network from behind the end zone, where he when he lets the ball go, there's nobody in the picture. It's just it's a it's a shot of an end zone. It's an yeah. artful picture of an end zone. And then here comes Keyshawn Helton out of nowhere. All of those low percentage things get stacked together. The house of cards is built. It's fourteen seven, and then that you give up that. I mean, my God, Akeem Dent. Uh, Corey said it right. He tweeted it. He'll never want to watch that piece of film yeah. on that particular play where they score the touchdown. Like what kind of? It, there is no effort there. That's bad. You can't have that yeah, happen. That was lazy. That was and, horrible. It was on the live, and then they went to the all twenty-two. Kudos to the ACC network for going to the all twenty-two a bunch today. I, I always rag on them, but I, I did appreciate that. They may have had their play-by-play camera miss a couple of plays completely, so we couldn't see what the hell was going on. <laughs> but at least they, they start to use replays, so I appreciate them for that. What a novel concept. Replays, Tom? Y- yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're a thing. I, I think they invented those back in the days of Howard Cosell. Maybe earlier. I don't know. Uh, but the thing to me, Gene, is you know when I was considering what was happening at halftime, and we had talked about it on the pregame show that Reese Davis had let it, the cat out the bag a little bit on college game day that Mackenzie Milton was likely going to play. There were whispers around town all week about who was participating and who wasn't. And we all had an inkling that 13 might not go, but it sounded like this morning on college game day that it, it, it did come to pass that the decision had already been made. So we're about to kick off. Mackenzie's going to be your quarterback. And then you see that Dylan Gibbons isn't playing. And then you yeah. see that Babyon Johnson probably isn't available, right? And so now your two guards are your backups. Because to me, DLT is not 100%. I think if you're operating at 100% efficiency right now, you've got Dylan Gibbons at left guard, you got Babyon Johnson at right guard. DLT, if DLT is 100%, he plays. Yeah. He's not. So now you've got two problems. Number one, you don't have to account for Jordan Travis in the run game. Number two, you've got your two backup guards in. How the hell are you going to run the football? You've got real problems. And at 14 to nothing at half, it felt like, well, this was an easy game to predict. But then the next thing you know, Florida State fights back and they get it to within a score two times. And you're starting to have delusions of grandeur. And it just didn't happen for us. But I, I well, the one thing I, I want to say, just on the optimistic side of the coin, they got, Gene, they fight. They continually yeah. fight. And I like this group for that reason. You could be, we could be mad about Mike for a certain situational call, but damn it, if they don't just keep playing hard. And yeah. when you're when you would lack this much talent and you didn't get as much practice time this week with the flu, to battle and put yourself in a position to win this ball game, I, I know moral victories. You can rip me for if you want for that, but this group had a hell of a week. That's well, true. Yeah, Tom, you make a great point. Position. You, you do make – I mean, that's the thing that gets lost in this. And I'm ranting about – and I think it's a whole horrible colony to go through that again. But you're right. I mean, that gets lost in the shuffle a little bit. Well, thank you so much, Kevin. Yeah. That's Kevin, awesome. Appreciate you. Um, yeah, bad situation. They ended up uh, two of 16 on third downs. That's not a good situation. But I think Tom mentioned why. When you're both your starting guards are out, you've got you, – you could say it's a second or a third string. I, I, I heard a whisper, and this is one of the reasons why, if you saw I changed my pick to NC State, and this is why. I didn't think – I didn't think Jordan was going to play – and all the problems on the offensive line with illnesses. But yeah. that's the reason why you're talking about your inability to run and convert those third down. It's not a coincidence. It's not like Florida State suddenly reverted and situationally they're bad. It's because they didn't have the tools that made them be able to convert that. They were gone. Right. And right. I do think that, you know, look, I had heard head Chubb, and who knows, they might have just been, I heard if Chubba wouldn't have transferred, he would have started this game. Would that have changed anything? I don't know. But it would have given you a more mobile quarterback. It might have opened some things up. But when you – Factor in that what what happened on the interior of the offensive line as well. 
man, that's a tall, this wasn't a bad, this is, it's not a great NC State team, but it's a pretty good team. I right. do, uh, and, and look, we'll never know. I think if Florida State's healthy, if Jordan's there, those guards are playing, I think they win this game. I really do. I, but I, they just did not have enough weapons in the toolbox to pull this off, despite yeah. the call. Maybe, maybe they make that. They don't make that dumbass call. They find a way to pull out and win, but we'll never know. So, yeah, to me again, you know, it, you're at kickoff, and and these are the facts that are presented to you. A lot of guys miss a lot of time this week, and so they might not be in 100% physical condition. The guys that can play, your quarterback is a backup. Your two guards are backups. Okay, I'm thinking you're just going to get straight up blown out, mm-hmm. like. So that's where that's where you have to look at the context of things. At halftime, this was academic. It was going on script. Later in the game, where it gets a little bit more complex, is you've got a chance to win. How in the hell are you in this football game? Like, yeah. view it from the other sideline. If you're an NC State fan, you go, there goes Dave Doran again, finding a way to be in a game that we should be blowing Florida State out. How is this a one-score game, and why do we look timid? Why do they look like the team that has more emotion and passion than we do? Those suckers couldn't even practice this week. Like, what is this? What's what's happening to us? Are we going to lose on the road again? And that was another question that we were talking about all week is why is NC State so much worse on the road? You put yourself in a position where if you make a couple more plays, then maybe you do win this football game. But I don't think it's Homer-ish to say NC State is more talented than Florida State. NC State had a continuous week of practice. Florida State did not. NC State. Florida State had two backup offensive linemen in the game and, and a quarterback that renders your offense completely useless on the ground game, which is what we define ourselves as. And yet here you are with a chance to win the football game. That, I get that's it. Awesome. Aren't people tired of hearing this, though? It's like every week it's something. you know. And I get it. it we feel like Florida State is snake bit because, it, well, of course, you get a little momentum and things are starting to turn around. Of course, you're, you're, a flu bug ravages the campus. Yeah, and your guys can't practice, and your starting quarterback is out for a game like this when you don't have, and your second string quarterback, will you say second or not, trans just out of the blue transfers out. Right. It's just, but people don't want to hear it. They see the they see the L. Like here's right. we've already got six losses, Tom, and there's no maybe eke out one more at this point. I don't know, but again, we don't know. Maybe they're healthy. Who knows how they're going to look next week against Miami if they've got a totally healthy offense? Maybe they maybe they pull that win off. Nothing will shock me. Well, the thing exactly right. I would agree that it's it's up and down. You know, get Miami. Obviously, uh, I, I didn't see how the game finished, but early on, you're like, oh, look at that, you're playing Georgia Tech ahead. I, I don't know what the final of that game was, but my answer to those people who would say it's always something, well, of course it is. We've rebooted this yeah. thing a couple of times in the last three, four seasons. Like, if if this is too much for you, we'll see you in two or three years. Go away. Like, that's my problem here. Is what do you want them to do? This is something we talked about on the Cameron show for the last two or three years. It feels like if you're a Florida State fan, you're in a straight jacket. That's the effect that it is right now. You can't go anywhere. That jacket's not coming off. It's going to take some time. I, I understand that certain other programs around the country, it looks like they may be bouncing back sooner, maybe bouncing back quicker with impact players. Well, we've got impact players on the way as long as this recruiting class holds together. This roster has been completely gutted over the last few years. It's patchwork. And they patchwork themselves into being in position to win this football game in the second half. The fourth and four hurts, though, Gene. There's no doubt about that. And we thank you, everybody who's supported the program, of course. Kevin, uh, Gabriel, you're always up there, man. Yep. We, we really appreciate your support. Drew, I see the 2814. Drew. I see you in there. Yeah, F the flu is right, or PH the flu. Yeah. Uh, this is, uh, well, from what I heard, it was either a 330 or 730 kick next week for um, FSU Miami. We'll see what the six-day option comes up. Yeah, you up. dropped those tidbits on the Tribal Council. Thank you. Well, and, and people are mad about it. I'm like, listen, if it 
if we knew what the kickoff was, it wouldn't be a six-day option. They just announced what the kickoff is. Well, that's the thing. I've, I've been dealing with this for years, Tom, on the message boards. They think this is predetermined, like somebody knows it and they're hiding it in Bristol somewhere, right. and it's under lock and key. Oh, you know when the kickoff is, you just don't want to tell us. There's a reason why they're delaying it, because they're right. not sure when kickoff's going to be. It depends on what happens in the games. Well, and it, and sometimes it's not even the ACC that's the reason for yeah. game times to pivot. Sometimes the whole college football world goes freaking crazy, and you never thought that a certain matchup would be something you'd want to put on primetime, yeah. and then the domino effect falls but what they try to do is, is help the tv crews with uh with plans of here are your two potential options go book your flights and get those things out of the way anyway that's too much about next week right now we also appreciate kevin kevin again my man Thank you, kevin wow freshmen are stepping up all over the country that's right now what i would tell you is florida state did dip into the transfer portal and had a couple of key players come in here and make some immediate impacts mm-hmm. it's not enough it, it's an overhaul that's necessary here Kier thomas had the game of his life today gene it wasn't just here it wasn't a couple of sacks that were the, the highlight it might have been the, the cramp, cramp call the cramp which uh, helped awesome man the acc officials who couldn't see that the ball clearly hit the freaking turf with uh, amika mezzi on jarvis brownlee it, it certainly did and Kier, we appreciate you man because FC State was going to get that off. You could tell they were smart. They got up. I think they would have got that snap off if he doesn't do that, and they would not review that play. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, they were in, and that's fantastic. And I saw someone on our boards go, isn't this the same crap we always complain about? It's different to me when a team is – you're stopping a team that's got momentum. They're going hurry up offense. You're impeding the game. The NCC make an incompetent call that was horrible, and they were too stupid to blow the whistle to review it. Right. Well, he just he's writing a wrong. It's a totally different situation in my mind. Yeah, so we'll get to the phone calls in just a moment. This is the Warchant.com postgame show, and you see the phone number right there, 850-805-5911. This is, uh, you know, in the grand scheme of things, there have been some postgame shows earlier this year, Gene, for good and bad reasons that we went deep into the night. This one is uh, it's a little bit more simple than that. Uh, you know, I would have given FSU maybe a 10 15% chance to win the football game at kickoff given what we yeah. knew about the absences in the roster. And then they they give you just a little bit of hope. And the moment that you start to feel some hope that they could pull this one out, they pull it away, and and here we are. So 28-14 is the final. Any uh, other things, Gene, that you want to – break down or talk about before we go to those phone lines or or do we want to uh, not much i know i'm looking at some of the our chat fee thank you our chat participants on facebook youtube and twitter and it's kind of cool we get to see i love the interaction with all the fans people complaining look florida state got called for two penalties and yeah there was a horrible pass interference that yep. didn't get called florida state ended up scoring cool. anyway on that drive a yep. couple of them it for i will take any acc game ever where florida get, state gets flagged twice <laughs> and there were a couple that went on NC State. I was like, okay, yeah. all right. Well, yeah. sure, you can go ahead and call that. So this is one of the few games. And I, I'm leading the charge for the officiating. But this yeah. isn't one of them. Uh, yeah. That was not – Florida State was outmatched. Again, Tom could say it a million times. I know people don't like to hear it. I don't like to hear it. It was simply – when look, you had – your quarterback was out. The interior line is out. It ruined everything you do offensively. I think defensively they played well enough to win the game. I know 28 points doesn't look great. and had some horrible tackling plays there on a couple plays, but really it comes yeah. down to that. You hate it. It sounds like an excuse and I'm not making excuses with coaches. People say, just admit, I, I ranted in the beginning. I thought one of those horrific calls in my mind is that fourth down call, because I think you had a legitimate shot to win the game, but for that, but at the end of the day, given Florida state's limitations of personnel, NC state was the better team. And the result, it was about a 14 point game. That's probably what it should have been. Yeah. I think that, you know, the fourth down call, if you're at full strength, Maybe, maybe I, I just the fourth and four element of it. it that is was Alex years. not here for my rant earlier on. Alex, I, go back and rewind. I ranted. I, I started the segment off by going off 
I was not happy, let's just say the least, about the fourth down call. You know, I think that's a debate that might rear its head if we get to where we want to go in two or three years where you're competing for the Atlantic and a playoff berth if the playoff obviously expands to eight or 12 teams. Like, at that point, with the roster that's more loaded, is Mike Norvell still making these decisions or is he doing it now with a depleted roster because there's a sense of desperation that this might be our best chance to get to a certain place? That the circumstances of that call that I don't like are you were you were backed up inside your own one yard line. So you'd gotten out and you're in a situation where you can flip field position yep. at that point. You don't have two guards you trust on the field at that moment. Uh, your, your running game is not going to get you that first down on fourth and four. You had just missed an open throw. And the defense, even though it gave up a critical score at 14 to seven in this game, was, I mean, the defensive line well, the was- The last three cool. drives, they dominated. Three drives right. in a row, they completely right. had NC State spooked at that point. They were out of it at that point. Yep. So yeah, no, I'm- that makes yeah, it a- I don't want to regurgitate. Go back and rewind my rant. I'm not going to do it again. I thought it was a horrible call. I, it didn't. I think momentum was in Florida State's favor. You would have flipped the field, which is a problem. This game, you were you were losing field position most of the time. Their punter was pinning Florida State back all day long, and we were not doing that good of a job on it. But that was a situation where you had momentum on your side. You know, you would have liked to have gone on and score, but I think the fact that you picked the first few downs, you could have right. pinned them down. I still think basically momentum would be on your side. You, they blown. It looked like they were going to blow Florida State out. Suddenly it's a one-score game. You pin them down. The crowd's in it. You're fourth quarter. Yeah. That's reading the room. That's a look. We've right. got a chance. Maybe the defense makes a play down there. Maybe you force a turnover down there. Maybe you get them. They go three and out down there, and they punt, and they're freaking out. They're like, oh, crap. We can see. We can, it's it's going the other way. Right. But you didn't give your defense a chance. You pinned them. That, you made them. You put their backs against the wall. Yeah. When, when he made that decision, Gene, against Notre Dame earlier in the season, things seemed to be falling apart. So he was trying. Well, different. Yeah. Correct. He was trying to put his finger into the leak and say, well, listen, this is out of hand. Our, my defense is exhausted. I've got to go for it here. There was no such desperation in this particular moment. And I think the strongest point of all, you know, obviously in your rant, there's like 12 of them that I like. <laughs> the best one is, okay, so what? You get the first down. What about this offense suggests to you that you're going to be able to march the other 50 yards to yeah. actually pay this off with a touchdown? Your defense probably has a better chance of putting you in a short field than your offense does in that moment. That's yeah. where yeah. the context of it, it's a toughie. I think the bot and the analytics would say, yeah, you might want to go for it. But the context, you're right. Read the room. Read the and room. Here, and here's the other thing I'll say, too. I'm not against going for a fourth down your own. I mean, look, if they had a solid offensive line, they've been running the ball well, and it's a fourth and one, maybe one and a half, two. Yeah. It's a different thing. That's the thing. Every situation. That's what I don't like about analytics when people say, oh, analytics, because every situation is unique. Yeah. And given, like you pointed out, given what was going on with the offensive line and the play and your one dimensional and that situation, it was a horrible call. You got a good offensive line. You're running the ball well in the fourth and one. I don't have a problem with it because then analytics say, yeah, you're running the ball well. You're getting four or five yards a clip. You can probably get one yard if your offensive line is getting pushed consistently in the game. Yeah. That was not happening. There was no chance in the world they're running the football. No, and even it- worse than that. Yeah, there was no chance. Fourth and one, at least there's some. Look, right. they have to at least respect it. You can't fourth and four. There's no chance in the world they're going to run the football. No, not with that personnel grouping out there. And and that's the thing too, Gene. Is even on the fourth and one from or the fourth and inches from the goal to go situation, Corbin has to make an exceptional play. Just oh. to get, he gets in the end zone, but even to get to the line to gain. What is McKin- why again did they have McKenzie Milton try to do a QB sneak? How many times they need to have him try to do that? And it never works. I mean, yeah. that's the thing that drives me nuts about Mike Norville keeps repeating these things over and over and over again. Yeah, or, or Dillingham, whoever's making that call. Yeah, the number one missed assignment to me on that play is Corbin. The Reggie Bush push is legal. What are we doing, man? What? Yeah. Are you, I mean, he's just standing there. And then at the end, he's like, oh, should I have to? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, get up. 
there. <laughs> Go, Yaki Kadafi. He made up for it on the next play, though. We give him that. Oh, yes, Yaki Kadafi. The nine five four man. That's a. I mean, we really appreciate your support. Yeah, exactly. With Van Dyke coming in, we'll see. We'll see. That uh, defense could be had though if Georgia Tech can put up the numbers they did against Miami. Yep. You get a healthy line. You can run on this team, and this is one where you're going to yep. need to score in the thirties to win that game. But I think a healthy offense, you're capable of doing that against Miami. We want to hear good things about Dylan Gibbons, Bavion Johnson, and Jordan Travis in no particular order this upcoming week to uh, help for the chances to beat Miami next Saturday. We go to the phone lines. It's Gator. It's my man, Gator Kirk. Virginia Beach. All right, Gator. It's a toughie today. Go ahead. Your thoughts. I shouldn't have went for it on the fourth down, but, you know, that's the way things work. So we just got to put it behind us. By the way, I am so tired of hearing about Willie Taggart and how good he was here. People just don't understand what, what a train wreck he was. But anyway, my, my, my question is, where are we going to go from here to regroup for the U? Because a big win over them would yeah. make a huge difference. Yeah, you've nailed it. I mean, I had, I had a conversation with my buddy today. I go, you know, what happens this game? You'd love to win it. It would have been a huge win for Florida State. But especially when we knew Jordan Travis wasn't starting, I cut, we didn't, we just, nobody really felt they were going to win this game. But at the end of the day, you're able to beat Miami. I think, regardless of what happens in the final two games after that, I think you chalk this up as you're pretty happy relatively happy I should say I don't know if you're happy but you're relatively happy you, beat a, you could would have beat a rival you would have stopped their little mini run that they've had here lately I think it gives you some momentum going into recruiting so I think that would be huge and what he said what do they have to do Tom mentioned earlier you got to get healthy you got to get those key factors back on offense out there and play and call a good game don't make mistakes and you know find a way to limit Van Dyke a little bit Right, yeah, and you just got to be who you are as this team. Yeah. I know that sounds funny, but this team doesn't give up. It's got heart. That's the thing I like about them. You know, listen, they, they had no business being in that football game today, and the players found a way to make it interesting. And there were certain things that, you know, that were influenced. Uh, the, the onside kick was a great call. That helped influence the situation. Um, great job yeah. by Grothaus. I hope he's healthy. I saw he came out of the game, and Fitzgerald uh, made the next kickoff, so hopefully Parker's all right, but that was a big play in the game. They found a way to make it interesting, even though they're completely outgunned. That That's the positive of this thing. And the positive is they've had multiple chances this year, Gene, to pack it in and show that they are the same toxic culture that was the end of Jimbo's tenure and that was the Willie Taggart tenure pretty much the entire time. This Who's saying Willie Taggart was a good coach? Someone's actually I, saying that. I, I missed I that. Know. Maybe somebody out in the street in the 757 was like, Willie was good. And, and, and <laughs> I'm not sure. But. We go to a pillar out in Cincinnati. He was a game day this morning or watching game day. It's Eric Angel. What's going on, Eric? Welcome to the program and your thoughts on this particular game tonight. Hey, Tom and Gene. What's going on, man? Hey, Eric. How you doing, buddy? Hey, I'm doing great, Gene. Thanks for asking. Uh, man, I, I tell you what, man. Coach Norvell, he, like you said, Gene, he's got to stop gambling on our own side of the ball on these fourth downs, I mean, because, you know, next year, you know, if we still have this recruiting class intact, I mean, yeah, it'll probably be a plus, but, man, he's just killing us. And I tell you what, man, these ACC refs, they suck. They suck. <laughs> I mean, I saw a guy on a punt return. We're getting ready to receive the ball. He left before the ball was even snapped. So that's a legal man downfield. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And my question is, where do we go from here, guys? Because, honestly, I saw that Miami game a little bit against Georgia Tech. 
I don't think we can beat the U. I mean, I hope we can because Coach Novell, he's got to regroup these guys fast and the furious. But, Eric, you know, Eric, let me ask you, how many points did uh, Georgia Tech, who's got one of the worst offenses in the ACC, how many did they score on Miami today? I didn't see the final score, but I knew Miami won the game. 30 is the answer. They I just gave up 30 points to a horrible Georgia Tech offense. I'm telling you, oh, yeah, Miami's oh, offense is clicking, but I am telling you that defense can be had with a healthy Jordan Travis, a healthy offensive line. Florida they can run it down their throats. I'm telling you, man, they, they oh, got yeah, a shot. I totally, agree. I totally agree with you guys 100%. You know, you know me. I'm all Florida State, man. <laughs> I mean, Don't give I up on them. I know today, Eric. I know today was ugly. I, I know it was ugly today, but you can't judge this team by what happened. This wasn't this wasn't Florida State that they didn't have yeah. their team out there. I know we don't we hate you hate the loss, you hate the way things turned out there in the game. But man, they, Florida State did not come with right. all. It, it was shorthanded. It, it, that's what it is. At the end of the day, they were not going to win this game as soon as Jordan Travis. And Gibbons was out. They weren't going to win this game. Well, and the hard part, too, and, and Eric, we appreciate the call. And, uh, you know, I think it's noteworthy that you don't feel that great about the Miami game because you're one of the biggest optimists we have yeah. in our fan base. So hopefully tomorrow you feel a little bit better about things. But uh, I can understand why. The, the thing that, Gene, I was going to talk about, again, when this was 14 and nothing at halftime, I was thinking – how can you even rag on any of these kids? Because you don't know what percent any of them are operating at. Now, most of them could be fine, but it's just you can't pinpoint for me, especially on on the offensive line. Like our guys just gutting through, you know, uh, flu like symptoms where they're getting IVs at halftime and they're getting IVs in the pregame, like, and they weren't be able, they weren't able to practice beyond whatever film work they could be sent to their iPads. Mm -hmm. a, a good chunk of these players, so it would it would have been hard to criticize the guys for not being at full strength personnel-wise, but then also the guys that were on the field, we don't know. We, yeah. we don't know what kind of motor they had. How much did they practice? How weak were they going into the whole thing? I mean, that's – Right. It, it sounds like we're making an excuse, but when the flu ravages your team, I mean, it is what it is here. That's You almost have to watch this game. And, like, you know, this William Green's here. Like, I'm not saying Florida State is a good offensive line, but they were, they were what, top 20 rushing the football this season, Tom? Right, exactly. Yeah, they, they, when they have Jordan Travis, when you have a healthy offensive line, look, they're not—they're good enough to run effectively against a bad defense. Well, Miami's got a bad defense. If they've got everything, everybody healthy, they can run for a lot of yards against a team like Miami. Doesn't mean they're going to win, but right. it means they can put up some points, and that gives you a chance to win the game. That's what I'm saying. So it's—it's it's different. This game, they didn't have a good offensive line, obviously, because they were shorthanded, and you had a quarterback that made them one-dimensional, which made it even worse. Yeah, to me, you know, I get the angry mob is always going to be yeah. angry after a loss. But, it, like, is this the one that really you're going to say fire the staff? Yeah. Or, I mean, you know, uh, maybe maybe alcohol is not the thing you need. Maybe something else that will make you a little Oh, more... yes, it is, Tom. I <laughs> know. Well, there's something out there that can make you a little more cheerful. We go to Ocala and we talk to Gene. Gene is always a caller on this particular program. Welcome back, Gene, and give us your thoughts on tonight's game. What's going on, fellas? How y'all doing tonight? Happy to be talking to you. Hey, Gene. Doing well. Well, Gene, I, I just want to say that uh, I'm glad you got all the expletives out. <laughs> I didn't have to get on the phone and do it. They're not but, out yet. I got a few still ready I, to go. I'm still mad. I asked, I asked you guys this a couple of weeks ago. Does it seem like he shrinks in these moments making these decisions when it's just obvious, flip the field? Coach Fuller, it's just obvious, hey, I've seen this before. Notre Dame, a screenplay might be coming. 
you going to send everybody down the field? Are you going to play some kind of shell to make every? Just it's just these decisions down the stretch seem like it hurts us more than it helps us, and but I can't keep hurting my team with these decisions that I'm making. After a while, it seems like it you take us back to the early 2000s when Jeffrey Bowden was calling plays and the defense would give them their all and then three and out, three and out, three and out. And it just, you're, you're playing your hearts out. Why would you do your defense that way? And it just seems like just questionable play calling. Appreciate the call. Appreciate you taking my call. You guys have a good night. Thanks, hey, you too, Gene. Have a good night. Yeah, I mean, Gene makes a good point. I mean, there's there's a couple games you can put right on the coaches. I mean, he mentioned, you know, when they blitzed against Notre Dame on that play and they got burned, you can mention the Jacksonville State. Again, we, we've been through it a million times, but the defensive call on that that final play of the game, you know, that that's a, that's an L right there on Adam Fuller, 100%. Look, and someone even said, look, if they, you know, someone said, here we go, I'll put this up with the game. Look. I'm pissed about the fourth down call because they had, despite what I thought was going to go into the game, they put themselves in a position where they had a fighting chance to potentially win the game. Mm-hmm. And when they didn't convert that fourth down, for all intents and purposes, to me, it ended it. That was it. Because every time they don't convert a fourth down their own end, the other team scores every single time. So to me, the game was effective. When you didn't pick it up, the odds, like I said, based on third down percentages, based on what was going on, the one-dimensional nature, there was a... 15 to 20% chance they're going to convert that. So that means there's an 80 plus percent chance the game's over. I, I'm not going to, that's bad odds. I right. don't like them doing that. Were they going to win? I don't know. But if they would have flipped the field, they got a fighting chance. Even though that, look, Florida State's lost to teams when they were the better team. NC State was the better team. That doesn't mean Florida State had no chance to win. It looked like it at halftime, but they put themselves in position midway in the fourth quarter where they had a fight chance to win this thing. And that call, in my mind, ended all chances they had. As soon as they didn't convert that, in my opinion, it was over. Yeah, like I, I didn't necessarily think, Gene, that um, that the game was over in that moment, but it just got a whole lot harder. It got a whole lot harder uh, to win. When has that not burned him? Name one time in Norville's tenure when he's gone for it fourth in his own end when it didn't burn his ass. Yeah, I mean, I, every I could, time, how many, how many times does he have to do this where it loses the game well, or it puts him, puts him in position where the game's effectively over. Given that he's got like a handful of wins, I don't have many, very many jobs. Well, I know, but I mean, when he's, it just has not worked in his favor. Again, you're right. Read the room in that situation. We're going to go over it again, but I, I, I thought it was a horrible call on that. I don't think too many people are going to debate me. They don't think that was a good call. Given, well, given all the circumstances, it was not a good call. Correct, Gina. This is where we agree here is like in, in theory, the numbers might say something, but but you're looking at the situation and all the evidence you have before you. And you're right. Two of 16 is what we finished on third down. I think we were yeah. two of 14 in that moment. Like what what is it that you think that you can grab four yards, you know, in that moment? No, with NC State knowing exactly what's coming and what's the benefit? That's the yeah. other question. Is what's the benefit of doing that in that moment? Angel, hey, man, we're not calling out your null card. Not at all. We're no. just re- you're always, always, always behind the Knowles. And we know that. And that's we, why we, we love, love you, Eric. You're a pillar, buddy. We're just saying, man, do not give up on this team. I'm telling you, they're going to be a better team when they get Jordan back. They get Gibbons back. They're at full strength next week. So I'm just saying, don't give up on them. And I know you're not going to. I know you're positive. You love the Knowles. We're not calling you out at all. It was fun to talk to Shane last night, too. Shane and Michelle were down from Cincinnati. The pillars, man, they come here in full force. Yep. And we're always we happy to you. welcome them to Tallahassee. So we now go out to Colorado to talk to Kyle. Kyle, you want to talk about some body language? Okay, go right ahead. Welcome to the uh, World Champ Post Game Show. Yeah, first things first, gentlemen, I love you guys. You always bring me back to center, and I appreciate it. So uh, I got to get some insight from you to help understand this. 
I feel like this game is a Jerry and Jones blown coverage and a Jerry and Jones bad angle missed tackle on a screen away from going to overtime, where we probably still lose, but that's okay. My question is this. In the fourth quarter, they show Jamie Robinson losing his mind with frustration on the sideline, and Adam Fuller calming him down. Right beside him was Jerry and Jones acting like nothing ever happened. Uh, how does a player who makes those mistakes kind of not really address it when his teammate is kind of losing his mind with frustration next to him? Is that indicative of like a player or is it something like um, certain players care, other players don't? Like, Kind of help me understand what's going on. All right. Uh, well, so it's a question. Basically, Kyle is not very happy with number seven today. In no, and um, number seven had a rough game. He did uh, on that first touchdown. I think that's good scheme by NC State. We're playing four high, and you've got a route that takes the safety Jamie Robinson down. And and uh, you know there might be a it might be on seven that the communication was not where it should be. I have a hard time, you know, with some blown coverages. Sometimes it's obvious, like the Akeem Dent play. Uh, where they score to go up 21-7. I mean, there's no excuse for that. What was that? That's not scheme. But questioning in in that moment what the communication should have been between safety and corner, you know, just because there's an off chance that maybe Jerrion did the right thing, you know, on the screenplay that puts uh, NC State up on third and seven, they score to get it up to 28 points. It's one-on-one. You just got to make a play, and he did, you know, and, and that's rough. As for body language and stuff on the sidelines, I don't know how much it could accomplish in the moment if Jerrion shows more spirit and, and you know, uh, he seems as sorry uh, as, as we want him to feel in that moment. That's always tough to me because, yeah. you know, Gene, you covered it longer than I have. Everybody's wired a little bit differently. I'm yeah. not trying to excuse anything away. If people are showing body language that they don't give a damn, well, then that's a problem. But you know, but I, also I, there's a composure thing. You're not going to lose it because you made a bad play. I, I I don't know. I'm not in the sidelines. I don't know everything that happened there. Like you said, everybody's different. So I'm not going to draw too much from that. You know, players. Some yeah. players had rough games. I mean, it is what it is. And some are more fun. At, and I think Jamie. I love. I love the emotion Jamie Robinson shows out there. I mean, he's out there making tackles. He's fired up. I love that. I love that he's caring. How about you know Brownlee going nuts on that play when he when, when the incompletion did happen? Thank goodness our guy Keir went down and made sure they looked at that. But I mean, I, I love the emotion out of that too. So we like that, but that's like you said, some guys just aren't emotional. doesn't mean they don't care. Right. They might just be different. I do love when guys are passionate, like yes. a Keir Thomas, like a Jamie Robinson though, because I mean, you know, that's how we feel. That's how we feel as fans. And here's a little bit of passion for you. Thanks for the two bucks hurricane. It is Miami hate week now. And you can <laughs> tell us that we're ass, but I mean, name me your ACC championship since you joined the all canes conference. Yeah. How many got right there? Here? Hurricane. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, when you can do that, uh, we'll accept your money again. But we'll but take you, your tip. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for the thanks for the two bucks. We appreciate you. <laughs> uh, that, that's about how much you've brought to the ACC in terms of monetary value since you joined the conference twenty years ago. Billy in Crawfordville is next up on the Warchant.com post game show. Billy, welcome to the program. How you doing? All things considered, tonight, man. Man, I'm doing great, man. I'd be doing better if we won the game. Yeah. But, hey, yeah. it is what it is. Uh, here's my thing, though. Are we teaching tackling? Because it seems like every game we have tackling issues. There were two touchdowns tonight. There shouldn't have been touchdowns, but because we can't tackle, they're touchdowns. You know what I'm saying? And I mean, that's fundamental. It's just fundamental. And it goes back to the state game. You tackle the guy, there's no touchdown. There's yep. no touchdown. And then the play calling. All this fourth down, 
going for it on fourth down on our forty yard line and stuff. I mean, at a, a at a point, you got to realize, okay, we're not that good. We're really not that good, especially on offense. So why do you do that? Why do you put your defense in that position? Number Billy, one, Billy, don't get me going again. I'm, I finally calming down, and you're getting me fired up again. <laughs> number two, it's common sense. And when you have an aggressive defense like NC State, why do you not throw screen passes? If they're going to blow by you anyway, run a screen pass. Just run a screen pass. I don't know how many. Five yards is five yards. Five yards is five yards. You can nickel and dime them all the way down the field. Well, and I appreciate it. I'll let on Utah. Thank you, Billy. I don't, I'll put that on Utah. I didn't see a ton of blitzes from them. Did you see a lot uh, of blitzes? Run a 3 3 5. They can. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, I don't know that we can matriculate the ball down the field on UMass uh, all that much either. Like, you know, that was maybe the one game this year where we could. Five yards at a time, that's not this offense. I mean, you know. Uh, NC State sniffed out a lot of things that we did. In fact, a couple of screen plays and shuffle plays that we dialed up, we had to bail out of because they had it covered. So I agree with you on, on some other things, though, uh, Billy. The, the fourth down, of course, you know, yeah. if you're reading the room, as Gene says, uh, I, I get the analytics play, and I will typically be a forward-thinking analytics guy who's like, yeah, I could see what you're doing in that situation. I think the Ravens and the NFL are an exceptional franchise at, at knowing when to push that button. You got Lamar Jackson at quarterback. It's a little right. different. But also, where on the field they go, like they, they're they forward-thinking, yeah. so therefore, you know, you're, you're abiding by different rules. But when you've got Mackenzie Milton at quarterback, and this version of him, not three years ago, Mackenzie Milton, you got these receivers. You don't have your two starting guards, in my mind. Again, Bavion, I think, is a better option to guard. So you can't run the football. It's a pass-obvious play. I mean, what would you say you do here? Like, And what's the benefit? You punt. Uh, That's what you do there. It's not even a decision. There's, it, there is no decision. Bad tackling has reared its head, but I can't yeah. pin this on the defense. I can't pin this game on the no, defense. There was, there was some bad tackling. He, I mean, but he makes a good point. There were a couple really horrific tackles that cost you big time. But on the whole, we got to look in the context of the whole thing. The defense did play well enough. Look, I mean, they had 13, 14 drives in the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, exactly. and you had bad – a lot of times you were ba- your backup was against the wall because you were losing the field position battle. It's not considering where this defense was not too long ago. That's not bad. That's not. It's you played. I think they played well enough to win the game. If your offense was more competent, I think you win the game there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, and what was interesting too. This is why it's so complex to me, Gene. You know, just when I was like, "All right, you're limited." You know, they pull a rabbit out of their hat. Yeah. Half. You know, they're like, "All right, screw it. Here we go again. We can't run the effing ball. So well, let's go four wide." spread it out and see if we can make some magic happen. And, and they did that. Like that first drive was, was okay. I think you, you catch NC state. And yeah, they were, they were swimming from the onside kick. Yeah. The other, Hey, was the catch by Keyshawn? Do you think he was throwing the ball away? You think, I think that was, you think he was yeah. throwing the ball away? Okay. I think so. I just, I'm like, I'm watching this. Was this Joe Montana and the today I'm Dwight Clark in the Super no. Bowl? that I'm like, what was that? He spun around twice threw it. And Keyshawn runs across the whole end zone and catches that. Like, where did that come from? No, I, I think he's trying to airmail that. He doesn't have the arm strength to get it out of the back of the end zone, so it's it's eight play. <laughs> Don't uh, say that, Tom, because they're going. What a great play that was! Well, anytime. Oh man, you you blew my world. I thought I, I thought about that. Like I don't want to tell myself he was. I thought he was throwing. He like he probably was throwing the ball away, but I don't want to think that. Now you're. Yeah. Oh, uh, I don't know about that. No, I, I, I think, 
Well, Gene, anytime anything good happens with Mackenzie, it's like everybody has to fall and lie prostrate and, and worship at the <laughs> altar of like, all right, it's a great story. Like, I get it, but, you know, he's a limited player. So that's why we were where we were today. Kevin, we appreciate you again. Yeah, Thank and you, Kevin. I, you know what? I thought we did a better job, obviously, of catching the football today in the punt game and letting it go when we should have let it go. But that kid put some English on the football a couple of times. And you're just like, we did the right things. It just ended up that the, you know, that the punters yeah, they, were. Their, their punter was better than our punter. I mean, it was pretty obvious. They began, well, other than the onside kick, and obviously that was a good call. Yeah. That was film study because you watch, and yeah. they pointed that out. NC State's front line was bailing on kicks, and that's something yeah. by film study is important. They saw that, and they go, okay, let's practice that. We can get away with this. And it works. So that is something the coaches did well on special teams. But other than that, once again, yeah. everything else on special team was bad. And I'll tell you, Hickman here, I will tell you what right here, Tom, I will shave the beard if they beat Miami. How about that? Okay. Not live on the postgame show, though, right? Yeah, I don't think anybody wants to see that. <laughs> but uh, I will. Okay. I'll, I'll throw it out there right now. So you don't like the beard. I will shave it if we beat Miami. Right now, I'm calling it. All right. Well, we see that. So, we now stick, uh, stick in Tallahassee. Let's go to Scoop. In Tallahassee. Scoop, welcome to the Warchant.com post game show. Go ahead. Hey, what's up, guys? Are y'all allowed to drink while y'all watch the game? Uh, Before, during, and after. And even more after this game. Okay, great. Uh, that's great. Hey, I think you guys do a great job. I'm, I'm, I want to ask you this. Is it, I understand, you know, we, we beat. They don't play. I, 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 before we snapped the ball, I was thinking we should punt. But we've talked about that a lot. But could you guys help me understand? I think we were down by 14, and we declined a holding penalty oh. when we had NC State oh. on. Okay, so that's one question. And yeah. after that, I think it's, I really think we need to reset the clock because uh, just the game management is terrible, and the same things happen over and over. What about Hugh Freeze? Give me your thoughts on that. <laughs> oh, man. Woo! He goes right there to Hugh Freeze. Well, declining the penalty, yeah, it was it was dumb. I mean, the commentators even brought that up. I mean, I get it. They're trying to. I guess the thinking was we need to save some time, so give him one yeah. less down. But yeah. still, man, you're pinning him. You're pinning him to me. But here's the thing. And again, next, you don't go by just that. You got to think the next level because what you're doing at that point, you're putting him even further back. You're even getting more conservative because they're up against. You got a two touchdown lead. Now you're inside your ten yard line you're definitely running the ball off the middle. There's no chance you're doing anything else. And I think you can really stack the box at that point and boom, 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 get the ball back. Yeah, that's another one that I'm, man, I'm in between on because you, it's seven yards or 40 seconds. That That's what you're weighing there. Like, so what? what's more valuable? you got a guaranteed punt, though, at that point because they're so far back, they can't do anything out of out of fear. Correct. And and given the fact that I think there were seven minutes and change left, that in college football, yeah. that's an opportunity. That's yeah, an opportunity. You had enough time. Yes, that you've got enough time to accept that penalty. It's like this isn't as bad to me as, say, the Syracuse game week three of Willie's first year where they're declining stuff on special teams. You're like, what? This makes no sense. Like, what are we doing? Personal fouls on special teams. Nope, nope, like, nope. We're good. I get what they're doing, and I think in some circumstances they're the right calls, but, uh, like, I, yeah. I, I know it's the phrase. I should just wear it on a T-shirt so I don't have to say it anymore. But if you're reading the room and, and maybe you apply it at the wrong times, um, I could no, see what, we'll cut two, two minutes left, three minutes left. I, I agree with you at that point. You're in desperate. You need every freaking second, but yeah, cause they, cause they ran for a few yards and they were able to, they were far enough out at that point. They could pass the ball and they did. And they, yeah. that made them dimensional. We talk about one dimensional. Well, they're two dimensional. This defense doesn't do so well. You have a huge advantage. They're back against their own. And trust me, 
Dave Dorn ain't chucking the ball around inside his 10-yard line. There's no freaking way. And when you get them to it, any team in that situation, you have a gigantic advantage on them, and they're going to go three and out, and they're going to punt. Yeah, and Scoop, to answer the question on, on my part, oh, yeah. the reason I don't drink during the uh, the games is because it's a little bit like air traffic control, like making sure everything's going okay during this broadcast at the end. Plus, with this group, nah, man, like, you know, if you start, it's hard to stop when you're watching some of the things you see. Tom's got more responsibilities than I do, so I get away with it. I'm the boss. I can go ahead and drink. That's well, you've earned that right. And that's something. <laughs> uh, Kim, we appreciate you. You know, if Jordan Travis is healthy, the answer to your question to your question is no. I, I don't think so. If Jordan's healthy, he's going to play. Was it, there some thought, Tom, that they might have pulled? I mean, I, did you think there was any chance in the second half that Tate might have gone out there? Well, Gene, after two drives, I thought, is it is it maybe time? <laughs> because the way this thing started, I'm like, I don't know that McKenzie's got anything in the tank. But I'll tell you that when they cut to the sideline at one point in the it was the late first half or early second half, Tate may have had his helmet on, but you're reading the expression on his face. Yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't, in it. He yeah. wasn't going in that game. There was no way he was playing today. It was McKenzie all the way. Uh, we go up next to New York, and we talk to Brad in New York, who wants to talk about a key uh, transfer portal development this week. Go ahead, Brad. Hey, Tom. Hey, Gene. Thanks for having me. Um, I know you guys have uh, uh, talked about this ad nauseum this week. Um, I was just wanted to get your insight on what you think Chubba Purdy would have potentially brought to the game. Um, if you think it would have changed or, or you know, if, if you think he would have had an impact. And also, uh, now that the game's over, do you guys have any insight as to what happened there? Uh, anything else you can share on that? All right, Gene, you want to take that first? Well, thank you, Brad, for calling in. Um, I mean, I was told by a source I trust that if Chubba was here, he would have started. So, I mean, take that for what it's worth. I think what it does do is, we don't know, he might have just crapped his pants. It might not have worked. But, I mean, I will say, I think he opens up the running game again because he has the mobility. You're not going to do – you notice there was no zone reads, read options. You can't do that. Nobody's going to respect McKenzie Milton running. And he did run a couple times, and hats off to him, man. Able yeah. to do that, but no defense is going to respect that. So I think it would have opened some things up for the running game had he been out there. But again, at some point, that without your two top guards, you know, you maybe could have right. run a little bit better. How much of a difference would it make? We'll never know. Yeah. It would have been nice to see, and it might have whether he wanted to transfer or not. It might have helped him to get some more reps out there. It might have helped his teammates. I mean, I, I don't have a lot of information to share on the reasoning. I think a lot of people are kind of taken off guard. I mean, it was right after the Clemson game. I heard he just he flew home to Arizona. I don't know if he's back on campus or what he's doing, but it was a little bit out of the blue. Uh, yep. I don't. I've not heard a legitimate reason why. Any. I don't understand why any player transfers midseason. I don't get it, but I have not heard an explanation. Yeah, Leslie Chubble was third on the depth chart, but recall, you know, uh, in the UMass game, McKenzie said, you know, it's all right. I'll stand aside and let these young guys get some reps. And if you're looking for continuity in a game plan and what we can do in the offense. Chubba fits it better. So here's here's one of the reasons, and this is partially to your uh, question, Leslie. Here's one of the reasons before things got interesting in the second half, I just I would have a really hard time pinning this one on Kenny or any of the coaches because I don't know what they got to install this yeah. week. Like, So if you're saying, well, why are we running the offense that Jordan Travis would run to start the game against NC State or for the entirety of the first half, well, they might not have been able to practice together that much for all we know. And that's the hard part is – how much can you really game plan for NC State when you're worrying every morning who's going to be available to you each day? It's just it gets unfair at that point. And maybe you expected to have one of your guards and he wasn't available. You know, I saw that Cam McDonald gutted it out today, but Jordan Wilson got the start at tight end. 
Uh, hopefully Lawrence Toafili comes back. But they had they had actual injuries, and then they had the flu bug. And it's not just a Florida State specific thing. If you're not paying attention to what's going on here in Tallahassee, I don't mean a. I mean it's not a team specific thing. The whole campus is yeah. gone yeah. with the flu. I mean, they got uh, emails being sent to staff members of Florida State University saying, don't send anybody to Thagard. It's full. Our clinic is full. Like, nobody come here. So, unless it's absolutely necessary. So, it's just, it's a really hard week to pin it down and just come down hard on players and coaches for not executing at the level that we expect them to. Because I I don't know what they got done Monday through Friday. Like, what can you accomplish if you're not there to, to work on anything? That would be my take on it. Um, but we've, uh, we've been down that road a few times already. So we'll stick to the state of New York and, uh, one of our frequent callers to this particular program, the warchant.com post game call and show. Hey, Josh, welcome to the program as always. Hey, what's going on guys. Um, first I wanted to say, I think there should be like post game pillars cause I can't make it to the show. <laughs> but anyway, that's just a suggestion for the, for the captain himself. But anyway, like Josh, Josh uh, is an official post game pillar. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> that that's just me uh, politicking. But anyway, I'm actually happy. You know why? Because I feel like we're going to win the next three games. I watched Miami today, and I am not afraid of that at all. Here we go. That's what we're North talking about. Let's go, Josh. North Carolina has a North Carolina has a better offense. NC State has a better offense. Wake has a better offense. Like I wasn't afraid of anything of what I saw today and the last couple of weeks. Florida. Please, the, Dan Mullen's too weird for them to win anyway. <laughs> I don't, I don't really respect him. And then Boston College, we can go right up there, and they're the worst of the three. So I'm not afraid of the next three games. I think we could win the next three games, and I think everybody would be happy if we won it. This game is a throwaway game. You've seen Wake Forest today give up 50 points. They gave 56 points up to Army, and we had McKenzie starting, and we scored 14 against them. So like that is. The biggest difference. So no one should be upset about today. Today is fine. We're okay. I was really happy with our defense. We had yeah. we forced like three punts in the first quarter. We punted every time, and, and and like we were still playing well. We fought, and that's why I'm just so bullish of our team going forward. I think it's going to be great. Everybody just do the Aaron Rodgers. I know it's not like <laughs> relax. We're going to be fine. And we're going to win the next three games, man. Golden goals. Thanks, Josh. Yeah, don't Great give me a call, Josh. Where like you make up stuff, just the relaxed part. We'll stick to that, that part of it. But uh, yeah, that I, that's the hard thing to see right now, Gene. Because in the in the moments after a loss, you're emotional about things. If yeah. if fourteen to nothing and that trend held true for the next thirty minutes, we'd be sitting here saying, "Well, this is again, this is a clinical, no pun intended, with the flu bug that's going on in Tallahassee." But this is a clinical game. There's an easy reason as to why Florida State was not in position to win. But then when they give you hope and they put a rally together and they get within a score, now the emotions return. Mm-hmm. And to me, I think the overriding thing is what Josh is saying. I'm choosing in this particular week to say, man, they fought through all kinds yeah. of ridiculous adversity this week and they put themselves in a close position. You could be mad about Mike and fourth down. You could be mad about certain situational things. But if we're sitting here next week and Miami absolutely torches Florida State's defense, be mad then. But this yeah. this is a tough one to really yeah. put a lot of weight into, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I mean that's the thing, I, and I appreciate Josh's perspective. I think we're trying to not being apologetic, but man, sometimes the circumstances dictate things. I mean, it's not just well, Florida State lost by fourteen points to NC State. Man, there's a lot more to this right now. Joel Davis, thank you. Joel. Oh my goodness, my wow. Goodness. He's a hey man. You're the Duff man. We're gonna call you the Duff man. Oh yeah, 
because yeah. uh, he believes yeah. in AJ Duffy. Who uh, game changers are coming? He says we left. got a couple. Like, if they can hang in there and they sign and they're here, and that's the thing that you probably saw that with Duffy. Now that he got he got banged up, I think it was his finger. Yep. That he's gonna now everything's set. He should be enrolling early at Florida State, man, to get that spring practice in, get those extra reps in, and get acclimated to college. That's huge, especially yeah. now that Ch- that Chuba's not there, man. It's it's gonna be a little bit of a race. One fewer hurdle, and uh, yeah, that's right. There was about I don't know a two or three hour period where people were freaking out this week because it happened to be the same day that that Chuba entered the transfer portal. That the news came out that uh, AJ Duffy was leaving IMG, and then just oh, yeah, somebody later, said it's over on our message board. He's right. gone. Like oh boy, I'm sure like 95 people said it's over on the message boards in the last hour. That's okay though. That they're they're there for venting. So there you go. That's what they're there for. Joel, we are eternally grateful yes. for your support. Thank you. We promise to put it to good use. I promise you there. Uh, oh, Gene, did you post something else? You, you see is. this one? I, some guy, I appreciate the four ninety nine, but, man, you're going to have to tip a lot more than that for me to shave my head. <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. Hey, you know what? Some guy figure and out. even more, you'd have to pay yeah. to wear a Miami jersey. I don't think there's yeah. enough money. I don't think YouTube will let you tip enough money. There's probably some limit for me to wear a Miami jersey. I'd shave my head before doing that. No freaking way. That will yeah. ever happen. I'll give you the you. If you're the you, I'll give you that. But that's about as far as you're getting. <laughs> oh, man. Some guy, figure out what that number is. We'd love to see. <laughs> yeah. You can try. You can keep throwing money. You may hit it, but you're way off. We <clears throat> we go, and that, that gentleman who's clearing his throat right now is Alex, and he's in Tallahassee. He's the next caller on the Warchant.com postgame show. Alex, go ahead with your thoughts, and welcome to the program. Hey, guys. How are y'all doing? Hanging doing in. well. Good. Um, I'm actually not that surprised about the turnout today. I mean, with the flu, lack of practice, no Travis, no Chubba, I'm, I'm not shocked at all. Um, and I don't want to get Gene fired up again about that fourth down call. Thank you. Um, but so I'm going to change gears a little bit. Um, but this past week, it seems that recruiting has been a big topic, uh, especially between Kirby Smart and Dan Mullen after their game last week. Um, and I think Texas A&M had a big recruiting day today as well. But um, hypothetically, I, I'm going to go opposite of what Josh was saying. I don't think we beat Miami. Uh, Van Dyke looks pretty darn good. He had almost 400 yards today and three touchdowns. I don't think we beat UF. And just playing Boston College in, in Boston just does not uh, make me feel any better about it. Um, how are they going to sell our product to recruits now? especially with some of these bonehead calls that Norvell has been doing all season. It just seems to be a hard sell. Um, I want to get y'all's thoughts on that. All right. Well, thank you, Alex. Um, well, I mean, these players that had committed, most of them have been committed since Florida State was a three-win team last year. And the product yeah. on the field was a lot worse than you're seeing now. I mean, they went out there totally shorthanded, and it was a seven-point game, and you're driving middle of the fourth quarter. Um so, I mean, they proved that the product on the field is much better. I mean, maybe they maybe they end up with three, four, five wins somewhere around there. But, I mean, you can see the progress on the field. And these guys have not wavered. I mean, they lost a couple guys. But, I mean, it's typical in the fall. You're going to have a couple decommitments. It's nothing unusual. But the core, the Duffies, the Hunters, those guys still seem to be very solid. Now, I don't think you want to go out and get blown out by Miami and BC. And I, that would not be a good look. And that might that could hurt your class, but I think things stay kind of consistent the way they are. I think they'll be fine in this class. They're still going to have a really good class and a couple key players coming in. It's going to be important, obviously, to get some transfers in too. There's a couple key positions, especially I think at wide receiver, 
defensive end, you're going to lose a couple really good players there. You're going to need to fill those voids as well. But, you know, I think that recruiting is getting over. These guys have been firm through a lot of – through Jacksonville State, through last season being a three-win team, and they've hung. I don't know why all of a sudden they would bail here with a month and a half before signing day. I I, I don't see it. Am I, am I missing something? I mean, people – I get their concern about recruiting. And sure. it's, it's justifiable because it's, it builds a foundation you need. We saw today you need an upgrade in talent. You had a couple key injuries, and it just basically gave FSU a very limited chance to win the game. You need that depth. You need the talent. But yeah. I, I don't see why the class is suddenly in the three games left, the class is going to get gutted for some reason. No, I, I, yes, I know it's not the scientific or insightful answer that you're hoping for, Alex, but um, if they've made it this far and they stuck through this much, I mean, what's one more month uh, to sign on the line that is dotted? That's the thing to remember here, too, is, you know, given when the early signing period started and what Florida State went through that year with the transition between Willie and Jimbo, and then that they got to do it again a couple of years later, uh, and then Mike has followed that up with, you know, that hire and that, you know, week of essentially just trying to find any name he could to come here to Tallahassee that he liked with a COVID season. This is the first real early signing period we've had yeah. seen in ever in Florida state history. So you're a month away from getting those kids to commit. A lot of them are going to be early enrollees and, and I know they're committed, but to sign to truly commit to the program, you don't want to get blown out between now and then they've sold them to keep together and to keep the core together this much for this long and they started 0-4 and the kids are still here I don't know that one fourth down call is going to be the moment where Travis Hunter says you know yeah. what the hell with it I'm putting my hands these coaches are making a couple calls I don't agree with so I'm gonna, yeah that's not going to be the difference at all and, and look I'm going to go on a different thing you mentioned again about not beating Miami yeah. I don't know why everybody's look Miami's offense is clicking Van Dyke is a lot better than we thought that their backup was I mean it's amazing what they're doing offensively but nobody's talking about their defense that's half the battle here let me go through the last two games of Miami let's say Virginia gave up 30 points North Carolina 45 NC State 30 Pittsburgh 34 Georgia Tech today 30 it's a really bad defense I don't understand why just because their offense is clicking like there's two sides of the coin if Florida State's going to score probably in the 30s if they're healthy in this game it's probably going to be a one possession. It's probably going to come down to the end. I don't know why people are suddenly giving up on the Miami game. I'm I'm shocked at this. Uh, it's the it's the emotion of the uh, the yeah. first moments after a loss. I guess I I just to me again, uh, I feel better about this game uh, that it was close at all. Like the yeah. fact that we got it there. I mean, you had to really pull a rabbit out of you know where in order to even get it to that place given all the problems we had this week and the problems NC State didn't have. They should be embarrassed it was that close at any point, frankly, with what goals they still have in yeah. front of them. They really are worse on the road. I think we learned that today. Uh, Lee in North Meridian Beach, South Carolina, or is it North Median Beach? Go ahead, Lee. Welcome to the program. You are on the Warchant.com postgame show. Hey, how you doing? Nice to talk to y'all guys. Hey, welcome, Lee. Hey, We're happy too, to have Lee. Yeah, it's North Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Myrtle, Myrtle Beach. North Myrtle, gotcha. Beautiful up there. Yeah. I've been a fan of Florida State since 1992. Question I have for y'all guys. I believe it was in the, I want to say, early fourth quarter when McKenzie got hit by the North North, North Carolina State defender in the face and knocked mm -hmm. down, and the ref was right there. Yeah. Shouldn't that been a foul, a penalty or something? Yeah, Do you well, remember I, Lee, I remember that play. And I remember he looked at the official, put his hands up, like, "What's going on here? I just got whacked." 
No, that's you know they they made some mistakes. Absolutely, I think that should have been called. A couple of pass interferences were very obvious. It was it's the ACC. It's a given. There's going to be a handful of bad calls every game. But I, I'm not I'm not blaming this game. I, I could say the Clemson game if we want to go back and talk about that. I think that may have cost you the game that last drive. I can point to that. NC State was a better team. Florida State made bad calls in the end based on the personnel. So I'm I, that was a, you're right. That's one of several bad calls in the game. But I don't feel like that cost Florida State the game. Lee, since you're a first-timer of the program and you're still on the line, just a question for you. Do you feel optimistic about Miami next week, or do you feel a lot worse about it after what you saw today? What do you think? I do believe we can beat Miami because we're going to be healthy. I really do. Yep, there it is. That's a good call. Thank you, Lee. Thanks for joining Thanks, the program. Thanks, Lee. Appreciate the call. We hope you call again. Yeah, if they're healthy. That's it. That's what yeah. this comes down to. All of those practice reports right here on Warchant.com that you can find on the Tribal Council you should be looking for those to see. Uh, listen, we can't speak directly, given the policies of Florida State, about who is practicing and who isn't practicing. But a little word to the wise, if we're giving you updates about certain things that happen in practice, look for the names. Like, who's throwing the ball? Yeah. Who's catching the ball? That's just that's the alert way to keep up to date with our practice updates on the Tribal Council, which you can do all week long right here at Warchant.com. We've got a couple of callers left in the queue for right now. I think we're going to call this for Terry. Uh, no more new calls. Uh, because we do have a guest from Stadium Side right now. Yeah, we talked about recruiting the last caller. We got a five star ready to sign with the uh, War Champ post game show. We do indeed. I see two callers in the queue, and Can we get to put them on hold and go to the five star. You can't keep the five star waiting. Oh, of course not. I'm just telling okay. those folks know right after Ira, we're coming to you. No new callers. We appreciate you guys and your patience. We now go Stadium Side to Mr. Chauffel himself, the managing editor of WarChant.com. Ira, welcome to the program, man. How are things going in the post game for you? Oh, just great. Just great. Things are uh, just going swimmingly here at Doe Campbell Stadium where uh, we see Florida State lose again and fall to three and six for the second straight season. And I love I love the backdrop there. Go ahead, Tom. I detect uh, serious frustration in your voice. What? what would be the source of that frustration? Yeah, what's up, Ira? You know, it's a, I mean, it's a weird game. It's a weird week. Uh, we knew they were banged up from the Clemson game. Plus, we also knew that the flu bug was going around the team. So, on the one hand, you know, you say, you know, Mike Norvell made a point that he, um, I guess he got the team together this morning and really praised them for the way they got through the week because it was a challenging week. I guess up to 25 different guys missed at least one practice. Wow. Uh, so they went through it. I mean, it was definitely a tough week for them. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, 78 yards and a half of football. And I know you didn't have your starting quarterback, but that first half was just brutal. I thought, you know, they sh- showed some fight there in the second half. Got it to within seven points, kept it there for about a quarter. Um, but, you know, just uh, the way they played in the first half. And then defensively, some of the big plays on defense. I and mean, I think that was the most disappointing thing. You, you kind of expected the offense to struggle without Jordan Travis to some degree. Uh, but the defense gave up so many big plays um, in crucial situations, including the backbreaker there on third and ten at the end. But I'm curious, you mentioned that about the defense. Did the defense really play that? I mean, there's a couple, obviously, backbreakers. You pointed that out. But I think NC State had something like 13, 14 drives in the game. Um, and there's a play here or there. But, I mean, on the whole, did the defense play pretty solidly? They played decent, for sure. Um, and they, at times, they played really well. But some of those third downs, I mean, yeah. were just brutal. I think uh, NC State converted like 8 of 18 third downs. And some of them, you know, hit, hit a screen for 43 yards. Um you know, just missed tackles. Uh, that 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 I think is the most frustrating part. It's not like, um, you know, just the tremendous plays by NC State. There were, you know, several of those long plays were just terrible tackling, terrible angles, and maybe part of that. You know, it's easy to 
to attribute a lot of the um, lack of execution on offense to having so many guys out during the week and in and out of the lineup. I mean, I think there was, he said, at least one practice this week where they had four of their starting offensive linemen not able to practice. Um, so you understand that continuity. I guess you'd say defensively it can happen as well because, you know, if you're missing tackling drills, if you're yeah. missing practice time, that can affect your tackling. But we just, I just, I didn't think we've seen them play like that defensively in a long time where they've just given, given up cheap touchdowns. And that's really how NC State scored, I think, at least maybe three of them. Yeah, it seemed like yeah they'd either stop. It seemed like they either stuffed them, right, or there was a breakdown. You know, they stuff them, stuff them, stuff them. And then there's a missed tackle. and They go 60 yards for a touchdown. Yeah, it's pretty frustrating. I, I you can probably guess I I started this segment out ranting about something. The fourth down call. Oh, oh baby, yes. <laughs> I'm assuming he pulled out the analytics card again when he was asked about Mike Norvell in the post game, right? No, no, not really, because he did pass up. He had some fourth and ones earlier in the game that he passed up on. I think. Uh, what he said was um, he just felt like the, they were down to only a few possessions left in the game. There's seven or eight minutes left. They're in the fourth quarter. Uh, felt like the offense had come, you know, they started that drive back at the one-yard line, had pushed it out 40 yards, um, you know, felt like that they might be able to find something. Uh, they had some routes that they liked, some some rub routes on those on that play that they thought they'd be able to get, you know, at least a five-yard pass. And it was there. I mean, it was kind of there. I think Pokey Wilson – could have made a tough catch there and, and maybe uh, maybe gotten the first down there. But, um, you know, he said it just came down to possessions. He was worried that they wouldn't they might only get one more possession of the game. They're close to midfield. Uh, he felt like they had a chance and he had to, he had to roll the dice. Um, you know, I don't know. I, to me, the bigger problem was the play before. Um, you know, if, if you felt like you were going to go for it on fourth down, if you felt like, okay, because it was third and five. Mm-hmm. And so if in that situation, third and four. So in that situation, if you think you might be going for it on fourth down, then wouldn't you try to do something to at least get two or three yards on third down? I would have run it on third down. Instead, they tried to pass. It's incomplete. Now it's fourth and four. If you run it on third and four and you pick up two or three yards, now the defense has to worry about the run or the pass. I think on fourth and four, they knew it was going to be a pass and they were able to to deflect the uh, the pass attempt. Well, to me, getting out your own end and getting it out close to midfield, it's called flipping the field, field position in a one-possession game. To me, I, I don't know. It's a no-brainer to me. I think he totally pissed the bet on that one. You're, I, you're, I, hey, you're definitely, you know, in the consensus. I know he's yeah. going to get killed by the fan base. And I, I actually asked McKenzie that after the game. I said, look, man, your coach is going to take a lot of heat for that call. You know, what do you guys think as players? And he said, you know, obviously he said, you know, we love it. Uh, we got to execute. And he – Sounded like McKenzie was putting a lot of the whole game on himself and the, and the receivers, and you know he's not going to blame the receivers. But he he said several times that they ran a lot of rub routes that should be man beaters, and NC State's defensive backs just beat their 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 man beaters, and so that comes down to your receivers having to make a play. But but at the end of the day, you know we know what this receiving core is, and and you know it's probably too much to ask them to do much against a decent uh, secondary. Yeah, I think every it would be. I've never met a quarterback that didn't want to go for it on fourth down. So I'd be surprised if he said, "You know what? We should have punted." That would have been that would have been something. I guess the other one we brought up a little bit. It was really an odd call late in the game, and I know it was probably over. It's probably moot, but it's they get they get the penalty when they've got them held down there on the. It would have given them second, right. first, and eighteen, whatever it would have been. They'd have been inside their ten yard line. They declined the penalty. Obviously, the motivation was to. I guess limit the time. Let's get this yeah. over with quicker so we get the ball back. But to me, at that point, you make them so one-dimensional because Dorn inside his 10-yard line, suddenly there's no way he's throwing the ball 
he's not going to risk that. So I think you get an automatic three and out and punt. So did, was that brought up or what was your feelings on that? It, it wasn't brought up, but yeah, I'm with you guys. I just assumed they didn't want to take more time off the clock. I think it was under four minutes at that point. They're down two touchdowns. You know, I mean, it's just one of those where it didn't work out because they didn't get a stop. They gave up the first down, but you know, it seemed like the game was pretty much over. And, and, and truthfully, you know, again, that, that drive was another one where, you know, they're picking up these 10 yard plays. And I know the game was probably over, um, but that's the tough thing about this defense is like you said, there were stretches where they were dominant. They, they did a really good job against the run game. They did a good job of getting pressure on the quarterback. Leary doesn't get sacked much and they got a lot of pressure on him. They did a good job of that. Um, but just, you know, too many breakdowns and not just the missed tackles, but also some, some uh, plays where they, you know, missed coverages in the sack here, Thomas, who I thought played a good game. When we spoke to him in the post game, he he admitted at least one of those plays was his fault. He was supposed to get the guy in the flat. Um, just not a sharp game defensively overall. I don't think, even though they played well at times. I'm glad you brought up our boy Keir, man. What a great game he had. The sack, and they they mentioned in the broadcast if you saw it, the outstanding tackle for the Wolfpack had not given up a sack all season, and then Keir beat him on that one where he got the sack. And to me, the play of the season was the fake cramp. I don't know if that was brought up. But what a fantastic play because, it, I mean, I give credit to Leary because he he went right up to the line. They were gonna, I, I'm convinced they would have got that snap off before it would have been stopped. And because he did that, they were able to get that. And that flip possession, that was a huge play. Yeah, it really was. And that's the thing that stinks about losses. One of the many, one of the many things that stink about losses is there were a lot of cool plays in that game. Yeah. I thought Keyshawn Helton's catch before the touchdown. You know, holding yeah. on to that ball when he got clobbered, I thought it was targeting. They reviewed it and didn't give him the targeting. Uh, but then they come back, and uh, he has the the touchdown play. I mean, McKenzie, if you get a chance to listen to McKenzie's interview, um, at the end of it, I asked him about that play, and he, you know, he said, "Look, that Keyshawn was running to the corner, to the left corner of the end zone was the design of that play. He ends up catching the touchdown in the right corner of the end zone, and just you know speaks to you know just how hard that kid plays and um, the onside kick, you know, great call, great execution by Parker Growthhouse." I mean, there's some nice moments in that game. Keir Thomas had those those big sacks. Um, you know, there's some nice plays that, you know, they actually got an interception off of uh, uh, Leary, which never happens. He hasn't had an interception six or seven games. But when you lose, especially by two touchdowns at home, nobody's going to want to hear about any of those plays. So McKenzie didn't say he was throwing the ball away on that because we're convinced. Is that what you were going to mention, Tom? Sorry. Yeah. that It looked to me like he'd spun around. He he started to do his best EJ Manuel impression and spinning around in the backfield. And then he, it looked like he was just trying to throw the ball away. So he legitimately, was that legit, that touchdown, Ira? He, he says he saw him coming. Okay. You can choose to not believe him, but he <laughs> says he saw him coming. Uh, Ira, quick question about pregame. Uh, just as you were obviously you know scouring the field, I'm sure, with the binoculars to see who was available and who wasn't? I saw a couple of the reports from uh, the boards on Warchant that Dylan Gibbons did take reps in pregame, but clearly he wasn't good to go. And then Bavion did or did not, because those two names we are know, we already know about Travis, but those two names are going to be critical, I would think, next week against Miami. So what did you see pregame from them? Yeah, Dylan Gibbons did take some reps, but pretty much always with the second team. So that, I think he might have been there in emergency purposes only, and I think it's because. He, I don't know if he practiced at all this whole week. Um, he may have practiced a little bit, but I think that's, um, you know, he was there. He could have played probably if they had to have him, but I'm thinking the fact that he didn't practice all week. I think Brady Scott got all those snaps. That's why he was the guy. I, I don't know for sure he was available, but it looked like he at least was going through everything. Um, and then Babyon Johnson was not out there. It was not dressed out. In fact, didn't even see him on the sideline in street clothes. So my, my guess there is maybe the flu. 
um, because, you know, usually if a guy is injured, like Lawrence Tofili was banged up, Sidney Williams was banged up, they were there on the sidelines. Uh, Babyon Johnson wasn't even on the sidelines, so I'm wondering if maybe, like Jordan Travis, uh, my, my guess is maybe he's, he's still sick. Was there any – I mean, you would think this is a one-week thing, I would hope, but is there any indications when they do tomorrow that they're going to be out there when they do the, the post-game of that? Or, or did he talk about will he, will he hope to have these guys back in the next day or two? Yeah, I don't think they know because, like you said, I mean, some you know, they did say a lot of guys were sick. At least 25 guys – around 25 guys missed at least one practice. Guys were getting IVs during the week, uh, trying to do everything they could to, to you know stay hydrated and be able to play. Uh, he said some of the guys that played today were not feeling it, but, you know, but stuck it out and wanted to play. My guess is it's not the end of it. One interesting thing he actually said, Mike Orvell said that uh, this started to hit them right before the Clemson game. Like during mm-hmm. that trip, they started having guys come down with it. Uh, and it's gone throughout the entire week. And like I said, some guys still aren't there. So my guess is it may continue wow. uh, early this week. But, um, you know, obviously it's Miami. This game can kind of – I'm not going to say salvage FSU season, but if you could win this game, man, it would yeah. it would do so much for this football team. So you know they're going to do everything they can to 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 give it a go this week. I said that earlier, and I said it, it, all this is moot if you beat Miami. I think at the end of the season you look at the end of the season, you go not you know it's not what you wanted, but we'll take it at this point, Ira. And hey, one thing for tell Mike Norvell next time the team gets flu shots, how about that? <laughs> how about we do that? Well, they haven't, they haven't officially said it was the flu. They're saying a, well, uh, some sort we of – We know it's not COVID, so it's something. It's an illness. Yeah. I don't got anything else, Tom, for five-star? No, that's it. Well, okay, one final question, I real quick. Just I know this will probably be in your 3-2-1, but does, do today's events, given everything that happened this week, change your opinion of you know what you think about Florida State and Miami? Or is this almost like a game that you have to treat as a, a one-off? I do kind of treat it like a one-off. And, and, you know, I was saying early in the week that I thought Miami – I thought they match up better with Miami than I do yeah. NC State. I, I never thought – even with Jordan Travis, I thought this was going to be a tough game uh, for them to win just because of the, you know, the circumstances, the way NC State plays, et cetera. Um, so it doesn't change too much for me. And, and look, man, and, I, and Corey and I think are going to end up arguing about this this week on several headlines because, you know, he made the comment during the week about how I heard him on, on Happy Hour, I think, saying it again, or maybe on Wake Up War Chance, saying again how, you know, this team's got to be past moral victories. It's got to be past close losses. You need to start winning games. And, like, I, I got that, except this second half of the season was supposed to be mostly losses anyway. I mean, the reason we thought this team was probably going to go 6-6 six and six, or maybe 7-5 and five, was because we didn't know if they could beat NC State. We didn't know if they could beat Miami. We didn't know. We didn't, we didn't think they could beat Florida on the road. Uh, so my point is, you know, this this isn't like a shocking loss. NC State's number nineteen. They've had a really good season. They're seven and two. Even if Florida State had everything they were going for them, I don't think it was a sure thing they were going to win this game. So it doesn't change my to my opinion all that much about this team, um, and it also doesn't change my opinion about that Miami game. I think Miami's defense is not very good. I think they're sloppy. I think Florida State's got a chance to. I think Florida State's defense will do well against uh, Miami's offense. So. You know, as long as they bounce back from this game health-wise, uh, I still think Florida State's got a good chance to win that game. So you got your 3-2-1 coming probably tomorrow. We'll have grades up in the morning. You and Corey doing the wrap here shortly. Um, I don't know if Corey's going to do it. You got to get Corey to do something special for me. I've already had somebody say, I guess I'm shaving my beard if they beat Miami. I don't know if you can get Corey and talk him into doing something crazy. Maybe pouring 
something in his face, you know, something like that. They beat Miami. At least well, pin him down, Ira, to do something crazy. If they if they play like they did in the first half again, he might pour acid in his face. <laughs> Just I never see. I never want to see this again. We'll see. But yeah, and he's writing his column right now. He should have that up on the site shortly. Uh, check out Corey's column. Uh, should be soon. And Austin's writing a story as well. So, but plenty of coverage. Of this uh, magnificent performance yes. coming up on the site. <laughs> and everybody, get your flu shots. Thank you, Ira. Take care, Thanks, buddy. Guys. Take care. See you. Managing editor Ira Schofeld joining us here in the War Champ post game show, Tom. And yeah, yeah, I think pretty much wrapped it up. I know people don't, I, I see people are mad on there. They're going to be mad on our message boards. You hate to say, like you said, it's a one off. It really is. I mean, you just can't. I, I get it. You're tired of the L's racking up. It was, you know, there were some ugly parts of this game on both sides of the ball. But, man, when you when you said 25 guys were either missed most of the practices or, or were not in the game because of the flu, I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah, it, right, exactly. And, and you put yourself in a position. Like, listen, I, I'm not all about moral victories when you have the resources to win the football game. When you have the resources to win many football games more than you're going to lose, like – that's an over 500 season. I don't know if we know what that is around these parts anymore. But when you have those resources and you lose games you shouldn't, that's when I'll be pissed off. For now, I'm not going to be the guy banging my head against the wall saying, oh, excuses, excuses. These are reasons. They're legitimate yeah. reasons. There's I mean, a difference. Yeah, yeah. it's it's tough. Now, he gets paid big bucks to figure it out, but I mean, it, I, I'm actually pleased that they found themselves to be in a position to win the game on the road at Clemson, and they were in a position to not, you know, screw it up on a fourth and four today, but they did that too. So there's... Uh, there's a lot of things to consider for the next week, and it is Miami Hate Week coming up. But before we get there, we've got three callers remaining on the War Chain. Yeah, can we give Techno Gaming here a little shout-out here? Milton's performance, and yes, definitely shout-out to the Marching Chiefs. We love the Marching oh, Chiefs. Yeah. Great job by them, as always. And I always – hey, if you if you love them, always want to encourage people. We've got our game day page, and also the It's Game Day. We put up this skull session. I think it's an hour and a half before kickoff. Go out to Hauser Stadium, watch those guys. They do a great job. Appreciate it. I, you know, Milton, all things considered, the limitations – I mean, he missed a couple. He like he said, Iris said in the post game. He admitted making a couple. There were a couple. There's a third down pass. I think at some point he had. A, oh, I forget who the receiver was. Threw it behind him. It was it should have been a conversion. He didn't have his best game, but he, he gutted it out. He played fine given the limitations of the offensive line, the receivers. Yeah, I think he's maximizing what he is. The, yeah. the throw he'd like back is the third and four before that infamous fourth and four call. He even he said, "Tommy, yeah. I mean, that was wide open." I think that was Cam. I, I forget. Uh, but uh, also Techno Gaming, man, Dr. Plaque's a friend, and I married a, a marching chief. So, yeah. There you go. Shout out always to the marching yes. Caleb in Memphis, the land of Mike Norvell. Welcome to the program, Caleb. How you doing? How you guys doing? Appreciate your patience, Caleb. Yeah, thanks for uh, sticking around with us. Go ahead. What, what's going on? Um, I want to talk about McKenzie Milton because – it feels like he's catching a lot of slack for what happened in this game, although like all the other external factors. But the system isn't meant for him to win games here. And I really wish that he transferred somewhere else because he probably would <laughs> have had a little bit more success, even though he's not that great. But it's just the lack of a receiving court and just how badly banged up our offensive line was. Like if you watch the film, McKenzie Milton is dropping back five and six steps. And when he doesn't have a strong arm, it looks like he's throwing at 30 and it's going five yards. So <laughs> looking at, looking into the future, um, I think that it doesn't matter who's a quarterback. The wide receiving core needs to get better. And I'm interested in what's happening inside that recruiting process, but that's just the end of the day. So, Well, we appreciate it. And that's really what I wanted to get off my chest. Thank you. Yeah, we Thank you, Caleb. 
Yeah, thanks. Caleb, man, you are preaching to the choir. I'm pounding the desk. I've been saying it from the beginning, this wide receiver. And I think Corey's with me, too, on that. Oh, I'm going to be in trouble. I think my did my Charlie Ward light go off? Yeah, you're already. Wanna, oh, coming. my God. Is he already? I'm in trouble. I said I'd get that fixed. Man. No, but um, no, absolutely. Caleb makes a great point. I mean, I think I do think McKenzie's, a, I think, in a certain different situation, he might have been a better fit. The wide receiver core, simply, it's not a very good wide receiver core, which is crazy at Florida State. There's just been some misses in recruiting, yeah. the transfers, whatever happened, you can say, but it's just not good. If, if guys could get – if you got a little bit more protection and guys could get separation, I think he could be successful somewhere. But, unfortunately, it's a situation. Tahani got dealt. Sam Florida State got dealt. You can I don't know how much you can blame Mike Norvell because this goes back to really Willie Taggart's recruiting. A lot of those – High-end wide receivers he recruited didn't pan out to Jordan Youngs, or they transferred some of those right. other guys. And say what you want, but they just don't have the talent that they should have at that position. It's a roster you got to flip. I know that some yeah. people say you, you can't tell me that these other teams in the ACC have more talent. Well, I, yes, yeah. I can because they do, and they have the, more a, the NC State's got two two or three receivers that are they would yeah. all start at Florida State. They're better. Yeah. yeah, not to mention some offensive linemen that would certainly yeah. start here as well. Davis in Orlando to the 407 we go. Welcome, Davis. You are a penultimate caller tonight on the War Champ Postgame Show. Thanks for calling, and uh, go ahead with your thoughts. Thank you guys so much for uh, calling. Yeah, tough loss, but given all the circumstances, again, what do you expect? You know, you got a one-legged person trying to run a marathon, you know, like you're doing the best <laughs> you can. So, and thank you to you guys for all you're doing, you know. And again, I know the team has heart. They don't quit, so I support them. So my question is, um, I've heard some, I always thought you had to get six wins to get to a bowl game, but I it's oh, you could get in maybe this year with five. It's like, is that a possibility? Cause I see two of our games being definitely winnable. Not sure about all three, but just your question. Can we get to a bowl game with five wins or does it have to be six? And thank you very much. Thank you, Davis. Appreciate the phone call. I mean, yeah, you can. I mean, it's, uh, there's gotta be some exceptions, but I think a lot, I mean, what's happened more in recent years is teams opt out too many players leave. They don't want to go to bowls for whatever reason. So these bowls have obligations, so they can't take some five win teams in Florida. If Florida state were to win two of the last three games and they get the five wins, I think they're going to be a very viable team that someone's going to want them uh, in a bowl game because the fans will probably, especially if it's somewhere Florida, Georgia, the fans probably will travel. So, I mean, there's definitely a possibility at five wins that they could sneak into a bowl. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, that's a rule that changed in recent years, uh, Davis, and, and part of it is that more bowls exist. Like, more yeah. and more bowls exist. So, you've got to fill the slots somewhere. And as Gene said, you know, the corporate champions of these bowls are number one for the bowl committees. But secondly, if they can get to some revenue from the gate, they'll take it. And that's where if mm -hmm. you're choosing between two, five, and seven programs, and one of them is Florida State, and the other is a group of five team, you're going to choose the Seminole fan yeah. base. Because if you're the Gasparilla Bowl, you're going to take Cleveland State or are you going to take Florida State? Who's going and, to go down there? You know, And this isn't a year where we're coming off a 10-win season. We all know that. So we yeah. would be excited, I would think, to yeah. go to the bowl. You know, and that, that's where I think that also plays a role. And from the administration standpoint, to say yes to it, and from the fan base standpoint, to, uh, to attend it. Our final caller tonight is in Tallahassee. We finish in the 850, which is where we start. His name is Dan, and he is talking to Gene Williams, Warchant.com, and myself. Welcome, Dan. How's it going? Hey, how you doing? Um, hey, Dan. So my question was, how you doing? My question was about the offensive line. So, like, is it a reason, is it an excuse for our offensive line to be so bad, like, consistently compared to other teams, even though we should have, like, better players or even match players? Because I, I look at so many other teams, and their, their offensive line don't look as bad as ours. Like, we have – Jordan Travis like running every single place, like because you have guys like breaking through the offensive line. So is it a 
excuse for that, or what do you think about that? Well, Dan's right. I mean, well, a couple of key offensive line were out for this game, Dan. So that that was part of the reason why they they really struggled. But yeah, I mean, it's it's not a it's not a secret. They've really struggled recruiting the offensive line for several years. Um, you know, it seems like they they've got they're slowly but surely getting the things better. I think I like Alex Atkins a lot, the offensive line coach. They're better than they were last year. I know you did. It didn't look like it today because some of the losses, but they have made a little bit of progress from one year to the next. But they still need to continue to build it through recruiting, through transfers, and I think you get everybody but DLT back probably next year. So it should be better next year. Look, it's baby steps, and you're absolutely right. Florida State is deficient on the offensive line compared to almost everybody it plays, and that that goes back to just poor recruiting. I mean. I'll, I don't know if you see anything different, Tom, but I mean, it's it's uh, not a state secret. They're just they haven't been good there for several years. No, agreed. And and it started back in uh, with with Rick Trickett. You know that that's where this all began. Nobody wanted to play for that guy, and so the cupboard was a little bit bare for Willie. And uh, breaking news: Willie didn't really add much to the cupboard before he left here. Nope. Uh, so that puts you in a position where you've got four or five years of fledgling players, a couple of which that are still around, uh, but you've had to address it through desperate means transfer portal um you know maybe accepting some guys into a recruiting class or two that you might not otherwise if florida state's at at peak efficiency but you know this is not only an offensive line issue you've got the same issue at linebacker you've got the same issue at wide receiver which we just talked about so you know the one thing i'd say is you know if you're looking at other programs around the country and you're saying how is it that florida state is this deficient at this position it's not the only of its kind yeah you can say the same thing how is florida state this bad at receiver how is Florida State, the team in the 90s that defined linebacker play in the South, this bad at linebacker? Yeah. It, I mean, it, it's there are more positions than not. You're saying we're not deep enough. And in some positions, you're saying we don't even have good players. So that's the task that Mike Norvell was hired to fix. Yeah. If he keep this recruiting class mostly intact, uh, good for us. Because that that's the other thing, too, Gene. If, if this signing day was February... I'd feel a lot worse about holding on to this recruiting class because Siri shenanigans. For once, yeah, for once, the early signing period is a good thing. It seems like it's hurt Florida State in the past, but this year may be a good thing. Let's hold on this class another month and what yep. ten days, whatever it is. So we're close, man. Appreciate the calls, Tom. Yeah. We're an hour and a half into this thing. Didn't think we we're going to go this long. Yeah, so. I, I didn't. Um, but we appreciate everybody's feedback. Yeah. Everybody who supported us in the War Chant. Dot com uh, chat tonight the uh, the donations the pillars we love you guys we Thank appreciate you. Terry of course Ira from Stadium Side and remember folks uh, early signing day is coming up soon that's an event to bookmark uh, because we're going to cover it wall to wall warchant.com and mostly mostly for the now it's Miami week everybody so screw Miami screw <laughs> you Miami let's get the hate going let's go yeah. not hate the real kind like football hate yeah let's the fun the rivalry hate bubbling to the surface. We'll know about the kickoff time shortly. We'll have that information at warchant.com. We've got columns. We've got stat bombs. We've got content galore coming for you. Warchant.com, Warchant TV this upcoming week. Thank you to everybody who's tuned in tonight. If you like what you saw, hit the like button below this video so others can find it. Hit the subscribe button to our channel. You won't regret it. For Gene Williams, the founder and administrator of Warchant.com, my name is Tom Lang. Thank you for watching the Warchant.com postgame show. We'll talk to you next week.